Praise God, we've been uh, blessed with some very um, able but also anointed musicians and uh, uh, people that have a real heart for worship and it's such a blessing, it's so rare these days as I'm sure you know and uh, we just really thank you guys for all your hard work, it's just a wonderful privilege for us. And in comes the birthday boy, happy birthday Michael, he missed you early, happy birthday. <laughs> I hope your tent is still there. <laughs> I believe it's just today that's the real challenging uh, uh, weather, so um, we just pray for the tents that they'll stay put. Um, but I think later this afternoon it should clear up a little bit, we hope. So praise God. But uh, it's nice that we can be together in this building this morning. Amen. I just want to say a special welcome as well to uh, uh, Thomas. And where's Thomas? Are you here with us? There he is, Thomas. You want to stand? I just want to introduce you guys. And then also, Paul, are you here? I saw Paul. You want to just stand there? You are, Paul. Just stand as well. Uh, they've come to visit us here. Yeah, welcome, guys. We, uh... <laughs> you can sit down again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, John and I have the wonderful privilege of spending time with these guys. The Lord has brought us together through various ways. And uh, we, we meet up every now and then to pray. And it is so encouraging. And, and if you just get time to talk to these guys, you'll, 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 you'll see what I'm talking about. But um, I believe the Lord's brought us together, as my dad said last night, for a time such as this. And uh, uh, Paul has got a church in Wolverhampton, and, and Thomas runs a very uh, vibrant, it's really a church, big house group, really. Uh, do you know him? The amazing things that happen there. So it's wonderful to have you guys with us uh, this day. Right, so if you've got your Bibles this morning and the time we have left, we're going to look at, start off with Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. And in my Bible, it's a man written <coughs> heading in there, just says, The future glory of Zion. And uh, when we read prophecy, Old Testament prophecy, you know, it, it looks to the ultimate fulfillment of things, but there's things that lead up to that in a sort of circular way, and there's all these types and these shadows, which I'm sure you have heard about already, but the future glory of Zion. So let me just read Isaiah 35 for us. It says, the, the wilderness and the wasteland shall be glad for them, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice. Even with joy and singing, the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the excellence of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the excellency of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of of God he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals, where each lay, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. The highway shall be there, and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. 
The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool, shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. It shall be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Lord, we thank you for your word that was written down so many years under the inspiration and the anointing of your Holy Spirit and your holy prophets, Lord, that we can even sit here today in this building in 2019 and look at your word and ask that you would make it alive unto us even now, Lord, and speak to us wherever we are. Lord, you know every heart here this morning. And I pray that, Lord, you'd speak to us by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. A wonderful time that we are looking forward to in the future when everything will be restored. You know, I love it when the Bible talks about with everlasting joy. We don't quite grasp what everlasting is. Everlasting is a very, very long time. <laughs> everlasting joy and indeed when we come together even like we do this week and we sing praises to the Lord there's that little glimpse of that joy isn't there when you're in the spirit and you just sense something of that joy now multiply that by eternity is what it's going to be like one day when all things are restored and it says sorrow and sighing shall flee away God will wipe every tear from our eyes, it says in the Word of God. And this is a wonderful uh, chapter. I just want to keep in the back of our minds as we go to the New Testament in Acts chapter 3. I want us to just look at something in Acts chapter 3. I've had a real, real renewed excitement when I look at the book of Acts because it is so lovely to see the church in its beginning stages and you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and you see Peter and uh, you know the, the mess ups he made beforehand and now under the anointing of the Holy Spirit how he speaks with great authority and uh, you, you see him standing up and he says, men of Israel. And he's just, you sense that authority that he stands up with and he just gives this word of the Lord, speaks right into their situation and the people are cut to the heart. What must we do? <laughs> and he tells them to repent. And you see all these people come to the Lord and the church is growing in large numbers. 3,000 even added to the church. And then in Acts 2, uh, 43, it says, Then fear came upon uh, Acts 2.43, sorry. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Right? So many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. And they are not all, it seems, recorded in the Bible. And even John, you know, when he talks of Jesus, of all the things that Jesus had done had been written, there'd be no space in the world to contain it. But there were certain things that the Holy Spirit seemed fit for us to know and to hold on to and, and, and are therefore our teaching. And in Acts chapter 3, Luke picks out one worthy example that I want us to look at this morning to encourage us. Now remember this is early days in the church. Great excitement. 
The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. People are coming together and people even sold all their possessions and they're coming together as one, as a little bit as we're doing now with tents that are failing and we have to be forced to come together and share with one another. Makes you think, think of the early days in the book of Acts. So let's read from Acts chapter 3. It says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those entering the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And when they knew that it was he who sat begging alms by the, the beautiful gate of the temple, that they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. One example that Luke picks out for us to look at this morning. And of course, straight away when we read uh, uh, this wonderful example, we think, praise God for Peter and John and their amazing faith that they went and they, and they, they, they just grabbed this man by the right hand and, and, and pulled him up and healed him. But you know, as I was reading and praying about this, I just began to realize that we are so far down the timeline, aren't we? I mean, this is talking early days at the beginning of the church. And we've come through years, almost 2,000 years, of church and traditions and denominations. I mean, if we had to do a survey in this room and uh, how we all came to the Lord, and uh, you know, there'd be many different denominations that are mentioned that we've come out of or, or something, or how you know, all men's traditions and these things have somehow affected us. So we are very far down the timeline. And when we read back at the book of Acts and we see what it was like, we get excited and we think, well, why don't we see these things in our time? And we look at Peter and John and we get excited and we think, this is what's missing <laughs> in our time. But I just felt like the Lord was prompting me as I was reading this, that many of us, and I include even myself, in this, we can identify with this lame man sitting by the temple, watching the people go in and out, just asking for alms, feeling utterly useless. And how many of us in the church today, we feel like that at some point in our walk with the Lord? We just feel if somebody would just come along and extend a hand and just pull us up. But you know, there are those Peters and Johns around that are walking by faith and are doing these things. Now, it's interesting because this man, the scholars and the commentators, they tell us, because if he was lame from his mother's womb, 
think it says 40 odd years he was lame and he was there it could very well have been that Jesus had walked past him every now and then and Jesus never healed him and you think well why and why did Luke pick out this one example for us to relate uh, to this morning and I believe it goes back to Isaiah 35 that we read, read a little bit earlier on. Isaiah 35, sorry, I just left, lost the place. We could stay in here all day today, we'd be safe. Remember these Old Testament prophecies, they unfold throughout time, don't they? Ultimately having their culmination, their, their pinnacle when the Lord returns and He restores all things. But you know, when you read the book of Acts, this is one of the things that we so easily forget as Christians again, that we are still in that time, that dispensation, aren't we? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that church age. The Lord has not yet come back to call His bride unto Himself. We're still in that time. The gifts of the Spirit and the operation of the Holy Spirit is still available for our time. And we read back in Isaiah 35 and it says there, Then the eyes of the blind will be, shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, and the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. And you know in the Old Testament that always speaks of God's Spirit, doesn't it? We living in a dry and barren land, I'm sure you can relate to that this morning. And you might think in the flesh, if you're thinking with your other you, as Alan was teaching us yesterday, you think, Dion, what are you talking about? Look how wet it is out there. Come on. But spiritually speaking, we are living in a dry and a barren land. And we only realize that again as we came together this morning to pray into specific issues. And the Lord lays upon you that burden of what is happening in our time, you realize how far we have slipped to the point that there's things happening in churches that shouldn't even be mentioned. And how sad it is. You know, I was just thinking as we were praying this morning for Simon and that group that is going out into working today to try and reach out to that uh, Gay Pride March. How sad that many other churches that were approached have just turned their eyes the other way and don't want to get involved and be the light in this time. This is how lame we are in our time. How weak we are. How blind we are. We talk about ostrich Christians. We just stick our head in the sand and worry about our own things. But I believe this is what Luke was thinking about, Isaiah 35, when he says, So he, the man leaping up, stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. <laughs> He'd been healed in his physical body. But I do believe Luke is wanting us to see something bigger than our physical healing. There's many of us even sitting here today that would love a physical touch from the Lord, a healing in our physical bodies. But God is more interested in our spiritual walk with Him. And how many times we make our healing and these things the main focus in our own lives. And I know it must be so hard, you know, when Paul says, count it all joy 
when you go through various trials, but somebody's bound in a wheelchair their whole life, that is a very difficult thing. But Paul says, count it all joy. God is doing a mighty work in you. And he's more interested in our spiritual walk. Now I want us to notice, notice in, in, in verse 4 of Acts chapter 3. Peter and John says, And fixing his eyes on him, on who? The lame man. They fixed their eyes on him, with whom John and Peter said, Look at us. Look at us. You know, we could think they're trying to draw the attention for themselves, but no, I believe that as showing compassion. They're showing compassion. You know, when Jesus went around healing for people, he says he loved them. He had compassion on them. This is something of a mark of a true Christian or the Spirit of God or fruit of the Spirit in our life is when we can have compassion. How many times we just want to barge in there and fix what is wrong? When even with Lazarus, when the Lord raised him from the dead and he knew he was going to raise him from the dead, he wept for whatever reasons there is. But he wept. He had compassion. He understands our frailty. He understands our weaknesses. He knows exactly what we are going through. And he can relate to them because he himself walked in the flesh, fully human while being fully God. Now you see the apostles when they were walking with Jesus and right in the beginning of Acts chapter 1, even before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they again, they come and they ask Jesus, don't they, if you, if you cast your mind back to the beginning, they say, Lord, are you now at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So they were still thinking with their natural eyes, as Ellen was telling us yesterday. They're looking with their natural man. But after they were filled with the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, everything changed. Everything changed. And Peter gave this amazing sermon. And now they go out in power and under the anointing and authority of the Holy Spirit. And fixing their eyes on him with John and Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. He's been doing this his whole life, just asking for else, just to receive a little something. And he thought nothing more different, nothing different is going to take place. But Peter says to him in verse 6, silver and gold I do not have. <laughs> How this is a stark contrast to the wider church out there. I talk about the prosperity movement. You even hear or have heard of some of these prosperity gospel preachers, preachers joking. Silver and gold I have plenty, they would say. But here he says, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, and what does Peter and John have? They have the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit under which they are now ministering and they are going forth. Silver and gold I do not have. It's irrelevant. <laughs> Silver and gold. We worship the God who owns all things. Everything. Do you know when we were back in South Africa a few years ago? People at Three Mile Cross Church will know this story. But we um, went back to, to change over our visas and all kinds of things. And we had to be there for a few months. Uh, but by that time we were so sure that the Lord had 
established us here for ministry. So we were just going back to sort out a few things and everything was going fine and there were no issues. The minute we got back in South Africa, it's like all the wheels come off. <laughs> Have you ever experienced that in your Christian walk? A time when it just seems everything is going wrong. The kids were ill, we had ear infections, there were all kinds of things going on. And to top it off, our eldest son, Nathan, got appendicitis, which they didn't know was appendicitis at the moment, at the time. He got really, really ill. And because we'd been out of the country for so long, our national insurance had been stopped, uh, our, our medical insurance had been stopped. And we'd been back in South Africa too long to claim our uh, uh, insurance that you get from, from the UK. And the doctor tells us, you need to put your son in hospital now. And in South Africa, it's like, you've got to come up with the cash, don't you? You can't just walk into a hospital like you can here. Well, they've got state hospitals there, but, you know, the doctor said to us, you can't take him there, he'll die. You need to get him to a private hospital. And we said, well, doctor, we don't, we don't have any money. What are we going to do? And he said to us, well, get money. I'll meet you at the hospital in 10 minutes. Your son is going to die. And we stressed, we panicked. <laughs> All the wheels are coming off. And you're thinking, Lord, what is this? What is this? And you begin to pray, <laughs> as we do, panicking in that moment, thinking, Lord, why is this happening to me? And we said, Lord, if there was ever a miracle, it has to be now. <laughs> We're trusting you for a miracle. And you know, we went away and we prayed. And I remember I contacted my parents here and they, they prayed and the family, they were praying. And I remember um, everybody was, you know, scurrying around trying to see how can they help him. We need to get him. But in the meantime, they'd taken him to the hospital and we went there. And I remember I went to the reception where they were about to admit him. Um, and I walked down to pay the big amount to pay up front. And I just walked over and I said, Lord, a miracle. And I threw down my card knowing there's nothing on there. <laughs> and I just stepped away and I started praying. And the lady behind the counter called me over. She said, Mr. Estes, and there seems to be a problem. And I kind of walked over chuckling, saying, yes, I know there's a problem. <laughs> and she said to me, no, 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 don't worry. She says, our systems have crashed. The hospital system that crashes, but don't worry. Your son's going to be taken care of. We'll sort this out later. And they took him in and they did the operation and they did all these things. And, you know, people came around and they blessed us financially and we were able to, 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 to have it all covered. Praise God. But, you know, in that time when we were praying and you asking God and you're saying, Lord, why? Have <laughs> you ever dared to get a little bit angry with God sometimes in the flesh, don't you? Because we're like a naughty child. You want your own way. <laughs> when the Lord is so, so far above these things, and He loves us so much, and He sees us in our little situation, He says, my child, do you not know what I am doing? And I remember as I was praying, saying, Lord, why are these things happening? All we want to do is serve you. We've already given it up and we've come to the UK and we, Lord, we just want to serve you. Why all these things? But I just knew that I knew that God was using it to toughen us up and to get us ready for what he has for us. And you know, I believe the Lord spoke to me so clearly 
when I was particularly crying out to God about finances, you know how many times we do that when we're running tight? <laughs> Where's the money? How am I going to pay the bills? And of course, we're thinking, I'm thinking, how am I going to pay all these people back and all this stuff? And again, I cry out to the Lord, why is it like this, Lord? And you know, I just sensed such a loving rebuke. Have you ever had one of those? A loving rebuke. <laughs> Puts you right on your backside. And you just realize, okay, God is God. And I felt like he just reminded me, all of heaven and earth belongs to him. How much would I give you if you need it? Are you willing to trust me? That's the question. Whatever we are going through in our lives now, friends, if you are a blood-washed saint and you are walking with the Lord, trust Him. You may not know why He's not answering your prayers, but trust Him. Trust Him. And you know, I felt a bit like this lame man. Somebody had extended the right hand, pulled me up. How many of us need that in our walk? John had been talking already about fellowship. How important that is in the church. When you go to Galatians 2 verse 9, Galatians 2 verse 9, you just read this one verse. This is when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me. It's Paul talking. They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles. The right hand of fellowship. I think these things are all linked together. Because all these scriptures have been put together under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The right hand of fellowship. When Peter and John put, pulled up there, they grabbed him by the right hand and pulled up this lamb and said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And it says, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Luke was a doctor. And that's why you see the medical tinge there, as it were. Immediately, his feet and his ankle bones received strength. A man that was lame from the womb. And then he goes on. He says, so he, leaping up. Remember Isaiah 35 verse 6? Leaping and jumping and praising God. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. What a wonderful picture of when you have received that right hand of fellowship and you have been pulled out from your 40 years of misery and the Lord pulls you out. Leaping. Praising God. And it says, and all the people saw, saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. <laughs> this is a pretty astonishing miracle that took place. Let's read on from verse 11. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, you can imagine how overjoyed he was. All the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. And when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. Men of Israel, recognize that term when Peter speaks, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and he stands up and he says, Men of Israel, men of Judea, and he gives this powerful message. Here it happens again. Everybody is looking at Peter and John because of this amazing miracle that had happened. And Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Notice, Peter, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, takes the attention away from themselves and even, in a way, the miracle and brings them straight back to the gospel. That, I believe, is the true mark of the Spirit-filled Christian. We believe in the signs and the wonders, but that must never take the place of the true miracle, that of our salvation. And this is what Peter does under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And he hits them straight with it again. It says, you killed him, the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Imagine what a hard message that is. The Prince of Life, the author of life, the creator of all things. You killed him. And even when Pilate was keen to let him go because he could find no fault in him, you requested the murderer instead. Do you know that we are all Barabbases here today? Jesus has taken our place. Barabbas went away, the madman. Jesus took his place. And you denied the Holy One, the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And His name, through faith in His name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through Him has given this man perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It is in the name of Jesus that we do these things. You know, if I had a rich uncle or somebody, and he owned a whole host of whatever, and he signs things over to me in his name and gives me authority. I can operate in his name, you see. And it's the same thing that it, we, we, as believers, we go in the power of his name. It always points to him. It's not about us. We are but his servants. And it's in the power of his name. 
So Peter really gives it to them. He really gives them a hard message. But then he says in verse 17, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. Do you see again here? The Spirit of Jesus Christ. This is the thing that we need to see in ourselves and look for in ourselves. To ask ourselves, are we walking in the Spirit? Well, who is the Holy Spirit? It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. The Lord our God is one. So if we're going to see the, 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 the working of the Holy Spirit, it's going to resemble something of the life of Jesus. In fact, it says it will all, He will always glorify Jesus. And here you see, the Spirit of Jesus speaking to them. A hard message <laughs> cuts them to the heart. But then he says to them, I know that you did it in ignorance. This is not Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And Stephen, when he was stoned, do not charge them with the sin. That's the Spirit of Jesus living in them. Verse 18, but those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent therefore and be converted. This is the message, the gospel message, friends. That your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't it a refreshing thing when we come in the presence of the Lord, even as we have this week? Times of refreshing. Don't you feel refreshed even if the weather is horrible? <laughs> feel so uplifted. Can't wait to get back to people at church and say, what have you missed? You should have been here. <laughs> Times of refreshing in the presence of God. But you know that when these things all come to a conclusion, it's going to be eternal, friends. This is the hope that is set before us. This is the thing that you know, enabled Jesus for the hope that was set before him, that he was able to endure the cross. The things that we are going through in this life, may the Lord encourage you today as we look for what is to come. And even in our tribulations and the things that we are going through now, if you are a believer in Jesus and a follower of him, he is doing a work in you. He is doing a work in you, even when it hurts. <laughs> and it does hurt. And this is where fellowship comes in, friends. Where we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Peter says to them, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send Jesus Christ. In fact, I think in the original it says Christ Jesus. And one Bible teacher once pointed out I never followed this through, but I did think it was interesting. Whenever it talks of Jesus Christ, it's talking of Jesus on the earth. Christ Jesus seems to point to Jesus who is already in heaven. And in the original, it's the other way around, I believe, where it says, And he may send Christ Jesus, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his prophets since the world began. Do you just see a little glimpse here again of Peter's preaching? Gospel message, pointing to what is to come. Something eternal that you and I can never understand in the flesh. Yet God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, puts eternity in our hearts. And when we begin to speak and to operate and, and, and walk in the Spirit, 
These are the things that we talk about. We begin to look forward to what is to come, whom heaven must receive until times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Talking of Jesus. Jesus said to all the scribes and the Pharisees in the book of John, didn't he? You search the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, it says, and in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me, said Jesus. All these things point to him. And this is what Peter and John are doing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In verse 23, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Do you know, I believe, I've said this many times in our church, Three Mark Cross, the saddest words, I believe, in the Bible. Where it says, a great light has come into the world, but men preferred the darkness. The greatest sin can surely only be God has sent His only Son because He so loves us, loves humanity. This great light that has come into the world. His teachings even, His earthly teachings changing cultures, laws, countries, laws, and all these things are built upon His teachings. Great light has come into this world and people reject because they prefer the darkness. How very sad. And this is why it's spoken and says, <clears throat> and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. What else can there be? God has done everything. Verse 24, yes, and all the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. <clears throat> and Peter, I believe, is talking about the days that he was in, the days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, looking forward to what's to come. We are in a very, very special time, friends, and God, by His grace, has extended it for so many years. And human beings have got in and... and, 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 and all the traditions of men and all these things. But the true church of Jesus Christ is always there. The little scarlet thread, if you want to call it, right throughout history. Even when you study church history, you might begin to read the history books and you think, Lord, this is not church. What is this? The infallible Pope, and then there's two popes, and they're doing all kinds of things, and church history is just a mess. But the true church of Jesus they were there all the way through. And we are still living in this time, friends. Until the Lord comes back for us, we are still in this time. And I believe that we're a generation that we can perhaps relate to this lame man and we just need that right hand of fellowship. Pull us to our feet and we can go running and leaping and praising God into the temple, into the presence of God and go and do the things that He has called us to do. 
Verse 25. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, In your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, talking to the Jews, to you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Do you see God's heart is to bless us? I think this is one of the things we struggle with a lot as Christians. That God could love us. I love it when we sang that song, that such love. Oh Lord, I receive your love. How hard it is for us as Christians sometimes just to receive God's love because He loves us and He wants to bless us. And He says to His people, to you first, God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. A new path that we are now on. And I want to encourage us this morning. As I close, our time is coming to an end very quickly. Perhaps you feel this morning, in some shape or form, like that lame man, sitting by the side, feeling like you're being passed by daily. You're seeing other people lifting up hands, praising God, and perhaps every now and then you try to praise God, but you just don't feel. It is there. You feel lame. Would you allow the Lord to pull you off of your feet? Strengthen your bones. Hebrews 12, verse 12. I'll close with this. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, from verse 12. <clears throat> and here again, I believe we can see God is more interested in our spiritual walk and our physical healing we believe in physical healing and how we long to see these things flow in the church again when even in our meetings in faith we just call upon the name of the lord and we receive a healing touch from him in our physical bodies i really pray and believe that that will be restored to the church Now, in context here, the writer's talking about the discipline of God, which let me just let you in if you've never quite figured this out. If you're a child of God, you will be disciplined. <laughs> and the discipline hurts, and it's supposed to. But it's because He loves us. If He does not chasten us and discipline us, we are illegitimate children, it says. So in context, it's talking about discipline. And we know the Hebrews, where they were trying to Go back to the old ways to try and escape persecution. The writer says, no, that's not. But in verse 12 of chapter 12, it says, Therefore, in light of all this disciplining and all that, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Remember Isaiah 35, the highway of holiness. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 
Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated. You know, the Lord has spoken to us at our church. The Lord laid it upon our heart from uh, Revelation chapter 3. Strengthen those things which remain and are ready to die. And you know how that shook us when we first realized the Lord saying, you think, oh my, we don't, nobody wants to be that church. But as we were praying and we were seeking the Lord about this, you begin to realize this is what the Lord's saying to us. Strengthen those things in our own lives. The things that remain that are ready to die. And allow the Lord to come and lift you up. Amen. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. And just in faith, if we are feeling lame this morning, spiritually and weak, just reach out, as it were, to the Lord today and say, Lord, I just need a touch from you. I just need a servant of the Lord to come as Peter and John came and, and lifted up this lame man. And that, Lord, you put me back on my feet. Lord, we just come to you as we are today. We thank you for your word that speaks to us, Lord. We thank you that we are looking forward to a time, Lord, when all things will be restored. All things will be made new. New bodies. But Lord, we thank you that you have made provision for your church, your body here on the earth, Lord. Lord, we just pray this morning for each and every one that is feeling weak, And perhaps feel like that lame man. Lord, that we would just reach out to you. Lord, as you reach out your hand to us, that you would put us back on our feet this day. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, you know every heart here. You know every situation that we are going through. Lord, you know all the areas that we are striving. And it seems we're not getting anywhere. But Lord, I just pray that you would break through in these situations, Lord, as you know them. And Lord, we pray that you would raise up your church. You build a people of power. Lord, that would walk under the anointing and the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't just want to talk about these things. We want to see them in our church and our meetings, Lord. Thank you for the people, even in this room, that you are calling, Lord, into ministries and the things that you have for them. Lord, we pray that these things would be birthed by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, we ask. I pray that, Lord, we would be as Paul just to, to shake off when that serpent comes and fastens to our hand, Lord. Knowing that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. Lord, I just pray that you would encourage each of our hearts today, Lord, to know that you love us and that you want to bless us and you've given us a hope and a future. Lord, we thank you and praise you for your word in the name of Jesus. Amen.